we have prayed. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Yes, it's a season of Christmas. The season of Christmas is a season of hope. God sending His Son Jesus Christ to the world was sending hope to the world. And I tried to initiate that discussion yesterday that whenever the world is dark, whenever hope seems to be lost, God sends a deliverer. We looked at Judges, or I started by making reference to Judges chapter 13, when God handed the children of Israel to the Philistines to be oppressed. The children of Israel at that time had become hopeless, had become separated from God. They could not retain God in their thoughts. And when God saw that the situation was dark, he sent a deliverer in the form of Samson. And to tell you that God would always employ the same method, regardless of the fact that Samson's parents or mother was barren. God said, if nobody else can bring a deliverer, a barren woman will bring one. And Samson came through Manoah and his wife. just for the purpose of delivering the children of Israel. I will take it up from there now. Now, if you read the book of Judges very well, you will see that right after Samson's death, God did not send another judge. There was no judge. The nation of Israel went through again another period of darkness. He went through this period. I call it a very dark and chaotic period. Very, very dark and chaotic period. And at the very end of Judges, take note, I had said God did not appoint any other judge. At the very end of Judges, in Judges chapter 21, the Bible says that in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes because there was no judge. Imagine a world just like where we are today where everyone does what seems right in their own eyes. You know, history has a way of repeating itself. And that is why when you read the Bible, read it with the eyes of your present realities. Imagine a world where everybody does what seems right to themselves. If it seems right to you, you do it regardless of the consequences of your action. Everyone was doing what seemed right in their own eyes. And today, in the world we live in, everyone seems to be doing what appears right in their own eyes. The Bible calls it the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of lawlessness. Where someone can wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I no longer want to be a man. 
In fact, I no longer want to be a woman. I don't want to be a man or a woman. I want to be gender neutral. So don't address me as he or she. Address me as Z. Z came. Not he came. Is that not crazy? Is that not the height of lawlessness? I've got to tell you that the last story of Judges kind of reveals to us what the implication of everyone doing what was right in their own eyes could be. The implication of everyone doing what is right in their eyes. It involved violent rape. It involved murder. It involved human trafficking. It involved kidnapping. It involved perversion. In fact, it is a sick story when there was no king and everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. You probably have read Please, I beg you, don't sleep on me. It's very discouraging. Just pay attention. Okay? You probably have read in there the story of a Levite who bought a woman. I mean, I'm talking of the story in the Judges. He bought, he bought a woman to be his concubine. And after a very violent night, she dies and he cuts her up into 12 pieces and ships those 12 pieces to the 12 tribes of Israel. Then following after that, there was a war. And in the three days of battle, the scripture tells us that 90,000 men die. All of this infighting at this point is among the tribes of Israel. Among the tribes, 11 tribes of Israel against the tribe of Benjamin. And this absurd story ends with 200 men of the tribe of Benjamin who don't have wives because their wives had been killed out of this insanity of everybody doing what was right in their own eyes. They hide in a vineyard and wait for girls to come from Shiloh and they kidnap 200 girls and say you are my wife insanity it was a dark period it was an insane period when there was no judge and everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes first of all what were the judges to do the judges provided direction. The judges pointed them to God. The judges exemplified what it meant to live lives of godliness, of obedience to God. So in this dark, insane period when there was no God and everyone was doing what was right in their eyes, God sends another deliverer. That's the way he goes. That is always the way he goes. He sent another baby. And that baby is who? Samuel. The story begins with Anna. Anna, by modern definition, was a woman who went through hell and high water. I'll just tell you, being a woman in biblical times was not for the faint-hearted, was not for the coward, was not for the timid. It was not, it was not, it was not, how do I put it? Life for the woman then in biblical times was not an equitable life. It was not a fair life. It was tough. A woman's value was determined by two titles, just two, wife and mother. 
A woman is to be a wife and to be what? A mother. Those were the two things that mattered. She's a woman, greatly limited in society, couldn't own land, couldn't own livestock, could not engage in business. The hope was just be what? A wife and a mother. So, Anna gets married to this man called Elkanah. Elkanah was a very good man. And he marries Anna in the hope that she will perform her wifely and her mothering role. In the hope that she will be a wife and in the hope that she will mother children for him. But the Bible tells us that Hannah was barren. So his remedy to this was he marries another woman called Penina or Penina. And Penina is incidentally was fertile. So Anna is married to Elkanah, the first of two wives. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3, reading from the NIV, New International Version, it reads, Year after year, this man went up from his, own, from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for, El, uh, uh, for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Anna, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. So, here is Anna. She's struggling with a heartache. Desperately wanting a child. And each time she went to Shiloh and came back, the test result was negative. Each time she goes to Shiloh expecting the result to be positive, it was what? negative and I'm sure she went crying to Elkanah her husband and Elkanah's response was something like this oh sorry dear sorry to hear this but let me order you a double portion of Chinese the scripture says in verse 5 1 Samuel chapter 1 but to Anna, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. A double portion of what? Of food. So a woman is crying. I keep going to Shiloh and coming back and this thing is not working. Say, so let me order you Chinese. Good one this time around. Verse 6. It says, Are you listening? Because the Lord had closed Anna's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on, verse 7, year after year. Whenever Anna went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept. And would not eat. That is why whenever she wept. He felt that. Ah. Yaiba is not good enough. Let me get you Chinese. How comforting that can be. For someone who has a heartbreak. Brethren. In many ways. Anna's world. Is not so much different. From where we are today. Where some of us are. We all have felt the pains of unmet expectations. 
We've all experienced barrenness in some parts or areas of our lives. The dreams that I have versus the reality I live in. The hope that I have versus where I am. Is anyone here who has not gone through that? Someone sent an email lamenting that he has had words spoken over him and promises spoken into him of who he was going to be and what he was going to do for God. And in exasperation, in tiredness, he said, Pastor, it's not happening. And I'm even afraid that it may never happen. It's that barren feeling of what I have hoped for versus where I am that I'm talking about this morning. Add to that someone calling attention to that area of barrenness in your life. Add to that someone bullying, pushing, knowing where the heart is and rubbing that wound on a daily basis. That was the experience of Anna. It was bad enough what she was going through, but to have that constant reminder, which we know was actually born out of jealousy, because the Bible tells us that Elkanah, her husband, was crazy, head over heels about Anna, enough that he gave her a choice place and also gave her choice food each time she came weeping. So while Elkanah would pay visits to Penina just for the simple purpose of her being a baby factory, Elkanah enjoyed the company of Anna because he, she is the one that he really loved. So we see this conflict playing out in this story. And I tell you that these principles apply to both men and to both women. Whenever you are not experiencing what you had hoped for, is it in ministry? Is it in business? Is it the hope for a child? Or is it the hope for your children? What you wanted to see in their lives that you are not seeing? Or is it what you wanted in a relationship that is not playing out? Or those things generally in your life that are not coming to pass? Or perhaps to the lady in the room who's desiring children and it's not happening. As a pastor, I can tell you I'm very familiar with this. Very much so. I've come across in my years of pastoring amazing couples, wonderful people, God-fearing and responsible, waiting on God for years for a child. And it just doesn't seem it is coming. And then, a teenage girl, not married, and certainly not looking forward to having a child, gets pregnant. And to add to that, she gets very angry and hates the fact that that pregnancy has come to interrupt her life. So, here are people doing the best they can and indeed have what it takes to give a child the best care and it's not happening. And then there are others who are like, they just look at each other and they get pregnant. 
<laughs> Life can be funny. Yorubas will say, Koyemi. What do you tell parents who have an only child? Only child. Raise the child off primary school, secondary school, into the university second year, studying a wonderful course, and the child goes to the beach with his friends. And that's their only child amongst all that went to the beach is the one that got drowned. I can't conjure up words to be able to say anything to such a person. All I can say is God gives and God takes. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but the dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Let me read it from the message translation. It puts it this way. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. Hmm. Unrelenting disappointment. What does that mean when they say something is unrelenting? It is over and over and over again. It's happening again and again and again it makes your heart sick just like Anna who goes to Shiloh each time she goes to Shiloh and comes back she expects the news to be good but it's negative but listen to me brothers and sisters there may be somebody here who knows exactly what I'm talking about? That kind of high heart sickness of relentless disappointment may be what you may be going through or you have gone through over and over again. But the good thing about Anna was that her desire to have a baby was stronger than her temptation. To give up on God. Is somebody hearing me this morning? I rebuke the spirit of sleep. The good thing about Anna is that her desire to reach a goal was greater and stronger and more powerful than her desire. Or temptation to quit on God. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What if you prayed about something in your life as much as you complained about it? Just a thought. That thing that stands as a setback, what if you prayed about it as much as you complained about it? What could happen? With Anna's type of faith, she may not have had a promise, but I can tell you she had persistence. She had patience. She had what you might call practice. What is the practice? Every year, dedicatedly, she went to Shiloh. Nothing about God just jumps from heaven. It comes by practice. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 10. Listen to what the Bible says. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 10. It says that in bitterness of soul, Anna wept much and did what? Prayed to the Lord. 
it's okay to weep. But add prayers to your weeping. It can be very powerful. It's a different thing if you weep. Then follow it with complaints. Weep and then pray. In bitterness of soul. Who told you that you only pray to God when you are happy? Most of us has, have walked out on God. Because our souls are bitter. They are heavy. And you say, well, it's not working. I'm justified to turn my back on God. But the scripture tells us here that in the same bitterness of soul was what Anna used to pray. I've got to tell you, I marvel at strong people who remain committed and steadfast in their faith, though the conception of the dream has not happened. And there are quite a number of them in this room. They challenge my faith. I marvel at people who I can refer to heroes of faith. Not for what they have obtained, but for what they have not obtained. Yet they are so faithful, yet so committed, yet so persistent not giving up on God and you know that God never gives up on you the faith that says even if he doesn't I'm still going to serve him even if it's happening not the way I want it yet I'm still going to live for him that's the kind of faith Yes, Paul warned about the root of bitterness that can happen whenever you don't see what you have prayed for. But he also talked about Hebrews 11, which we all know as the heroes of faith or the hall of faith. Is it not? By faith, Noah being warned of God did this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, did this. That's Hebrews 11. You can talk about each one of them. But brethren, brethren, don't miss any of them. Read all of them in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 1 down to the very end. Read every one of them. Because in that same Hebrews 11, there are some, some of these heroes of faith. The scripture tells us they were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Some were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were torn in half. Others were killed with a sword. And others were mistreated. They were oppressed. Some of them were destitute. And then it says in verse 39 of Hebrews chapter 11 from the New Living Translation, verse 39, Hebrews 11. All these people earned a good... Are you listening? All these people earned a good reputation of faith. Who are all these people? Abraham, Noah, and the people that were jeered at, the people that were whipped, the people that were imprisoned because of their faith. It says all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Listen to this. Listen to this. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. Wow. That is why sometimes I wonder if some pastors or some Christians read the Bible upside down. Let me interpret it. You are a hero. You have a great reputation of faith. Not for what God has done for you. But because your faith remains. No matter what God does or what God does not do. Ah, church is so quiet this morning. Am I communicating? Yeah. 
The church today interprets heroes of faith as those that will say God has done this for me. The scripture is saying that the heroes of faith, you are a hero not necessarily because of what God has done, but also for what God has not done. You choose to stand. I did not write it. It's there. That is a hero of faith. Who told you you are less a believer or a child of God because you have not received all that God has promised you? Who told you that? They died not having received all that God had promised. But the Bible regards them as what? Heroes of faith. You and I are in the next text in verse 40. God included us. Look at what verse 40 says. For God has something better in mind for us. So that they will not reach perfection without us. So we, we, every one of us seated here, we are part of the hero of faith chapter. Why do I say this? Somehow, my life that I am living in today, this day, is going to line up with someone who lived back in that day. Because they will not be perfected without us. In other words, somehow when all is said and done, then we'll understand that God had something better in mind. We'll understand that His answers are wiser than our prayers. And He's always even walking when we cannot see Him walking. He's putting things together. I wanted to say something very deep. But some of you will not understand it. You may misinterpret it. I'm not sure you are ready for it. Look, brothers and sisters, I learned that I don't have answers to all life questions. As a matter of fact, me that is standing here before you, I have more questions than answers. I do. I do. We're a young, hard-working and promising young man in his 30s lives too soon leaving behind a wife that is a housewife with two little children I cannot conjure up an answer for that I cannot but all I know is that when I can't track him I can only trust him when things don't seem to be making sense I can only say to him Lord this thing does not make sense to me but I know you know what you are doing. All I know is you can have a reputation of good faith not by what he has done or by the answer column of your life but by your persistence in God saying I'm here, I'm serving and you can't talk me out of that. Brethren, today is not a good day to quit. Just turn to somebody and say, today is not a good day to quit. Say it like you mean it. I'm not going to quit today. I'm not going to quit today, the 17th day of December. I will not. I may have thought of quitting yesterday the 16th 
But today the 17th I am not going to quit I won't give up Today is not a day Or a good day to give up Say that to yourself Every morning you wake up Today is not a good day To give up Why? Being a strong man or woman of faith is not predicated on all your prayers being answered. On the contrary, it is predicated on your tenacity, your insistence, your, 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 your what word could I use? Your determination to stick with God. God has no grandchildren. God has children. And it is one of the things I quarrel with. That in the body of Christ, people make other believers to think that they have exclusivity of God. It's not true. Whenever I pray, God answers. That's a big lie. In scripture, pray as if there is no help coming from anywhere. But the fact that your prayer is not answered does not make you a weak believer. Because that's not what determines faith. What determines faith is that whether or whether not I am still standing. Does that make sense? First Samuel chapter 1 verse 11 We've read chapter 10 verse 10 Verse 11 Talking about Anna And she made a vow Saying O Lord Almighty If you will only Look upon your servant's misery And remember me And not forget your servant But give her a son Then Then I will give him to the Lord for all the day of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. Interesting. Samson, no razor. Samuel, no razor. Covenant. The power of covenant. But I want you to notice this. I want you to notice this. Is somebody listening to me this morning? Please. I, I, I need to make this point. Can you just nudge the person to your right or your left? Are you listening? I want you to notice this. I want you to notice this. I want you to notice this. Whenever in the Bible, Jesus says, verily, verily, is for emphasis. I want you to notice this. Anna stopped praying for a blessing. She started praying to be a blessing. God, if you will do this for me, I will do this for you. Our motives in prayer has to change. Not just God doing for me, but God doing through me. We have not because we ask not. But when we ask, we ask what? Amiss. I may have been praying about what I will drive. But now it's about who I can get to church if I have a car to drive. With such a motive, it's easier for God to hand you a car. Not a car to oppress them for them to know I have come. Of what, of what good? Of what, of what benefit is that to the kingdom? God, if you bless me, I'm going to let your blessing get through me. God's blessings are not designed to be terminal. You know what it means to be terminal? To end in your life. 
God designs blessings to flow through you to lives. A lot of us have become traps that when the blessing comes, it ends. Maybe, instead of you saying, I want a child so I can feel complete, or I want this job, or I need this business so that I can feel actualized, what about you saying, God, I want this so I can be a blessing to your kingdom? Or I want you to make a difference for you in my world? That's a better prayer. That's a better prayer. Don't pray for a blessing. Pray to be a blessing. Anna changed the way she was praying. She stopped praying for God to bless her so she can be comfortable. But rather for God to provide for her so that she can provide comfort for others. Had Samuel not come, a David would not have been anointed. Verse 20 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verse 20. So in the course of time, Anna conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. And said, because I asked the Lord for him. No, she could have said, because I asked the Lord for him repeatedly, over and over, year after year. There's the will of God. And there's the timing of God. The will of God sometimes we can understand because it is in the word of God. But the timing of God, oftentimes we can't understand it. The Bible says that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. There are times I've prayed to God and God said, I will be with you in a minute. In a minute. Is it my minute? Or his minute? Whose minute? You know God's one minute is not your minute. Maybe you are in waiting. Maybe like Anna, you are waiting for God to answer your heart's desire. You've served God faithfully. I want to tell you this morning, with every sense of responsibility, in the same way he remembered Anna, he also will remember you. In the name of Jesus. God knows where you are. God knows how you feel. God sees and feels your heart. The Bible says we don't have a high priest. Who is not touched with the feelings of our infirmity? He is not just our high priest and he's just breathing down on us from heaven. He has come down on earth to feel what you feel. To understand how you feel it. So that he can be able to do what? He can be able to intercede for you before the Father. He has had your prayer. God knows what is in your heart. And the answer is coming soon. I didn't hear an amen. As I close, in fact, it is likely that God's answer for you isn't just for you. Have you ever thought about that? Which ties to the nature of our prayers. It is likely that God's answer for you is not just for you. That was the situation here. Anna wanted a baby. Samuel was that baby. The temple of God needed a voice. Samuel was that voice. The people demanded a king. Samuel was the one to anoint the first king in Israel. So while Anna had her own personal prayers, unknown to her, the answer to her prayers was in answer to other people's prayers. I don't know if somebody's hearing me this morning. The reason the answer to that prayer of yours may be delayed 
is because the other set of people to benefit from the answers are not ready yet. Had Samuel been born earlier, Eli and his sons would have not been ready for what needed to happen so that Samuel could step in and serve in the temple. Oh yes. Had he been born earlier or at any other time than he was born, he may not have been able to do what God had called him to do. There is the timing of God. And God doesn't always operate on our own time. But one thing you can be sure of is that he's always right on time. Samuel the baby was also much like Jesus the baby. When God sees a dark time, he sends a baby. Samuel was the last judge and the first prophet. Jesus is the end of the old covenant, the old covenant law, and the beginning of the new covenant grace. Samuel was a representative of change. He anointed and established kings. Jesus brought the change and he was the anointed king of kings. Samuel was the end of the old and the beginning of the new. Jesus said, I am the first, the last, the beginning and the end. I am all of it wrapped up in one. Both Samuel and Jesus were born under miraculous circumstances. Both of them ministered in the temple at the age of 12. But Jesus is a perfect minister without any blemish. It's good to eat rice in Christmas. It's good to slaughter chicken in Christmas. Because it might symbolize or indicate the salvation that God has brought for men or for humanity. But that's not the reason for Christmas. Christmas should be a constant reminder to us that God sent a deliverer to the world when the world became too dark and men had become estranged from him. And he thought, how do I bring men back to me? How do I reconcile them back to me? I will send my son to go and die for them. That through his shed blood, because there will be no forgiveness of sin, except through the shedding of blood, I can reconcile men back to me. Christmas is an opportunity for us as his foot soldiers to also go and begin to reconcile those who are estranged from this God that we serve back to God. I said it. Whenever there is hopelessness pervading the world or the land, God sends a baby or a deliverer. There is darkness that is covering the world. And the Bible tells us that he's coming what? Again. He's coming soon. Why don't we help him to prepare as many people as possible for his second coming? Because when he's going to come again, no one knows. They are not going to send text messages to our phone and say he's coming by 11 p.m. tonight. He says he's going to come like a thief in the night. So while we marry, while we celebrate, let's not forget the reason for the season. That Jesus is the reason. The reconciliation of men and women back to God is the reason. Let's not forget that. God is depending on you. God is depending on me to do that. In any little way you can, make your contribution to the populating of the kingdom of God felt. 
Don't fold your hands and say there's nothing I can do. There's certainly something you can do. Ask God for the grace, the boldness to speak to people. Ask God for the grace to be able to give of your resources if you can go, to send those who will go. Ask God for the grace to live that life that others will see and come and ask you, what makes you live this kind of life? Which gives you an opportunity to say, there's someone who inspires my life. And that person is who? Jesus. It's Christmas. And this morning, we are not just talking about you reconciling others, but it's about you also. If you are seated in church this morning, being reconciled to him. If you know you haven't been reconciled to Jesus, you have not received him as your Savior, as your Lord. I'm talking to you this morning. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the comforter. He's our strength. He's our hope. He's our bridge builder. He's our defender. He's our advocate. He's everything put in one. If you're also here and you have gone through a series of disappointments in your life, I want to tell you that you are in a room of people who have also experienced the same. Because the word of God says he will not allow you to go through that which you cannot bear. That whatever you are going through is common to others. It might surprise you just to share what you are going through and you see four or five people saying, I went through the same thing. You are not alone. I want you to take comfort in God. I want you to be a follower of Jesus. And not just being a follower of Jesus, but to ensure that you finish here on earth with Jesus. That whenever he comes calling for you, you will not be found very far from him. You will be close to him. So if you are here this morning, if I would ask us to rise to our feet. You have not accepted Jesus. You have not turned over your heart to him. You are not fully devoted to him. This call is for you. He's working hard on your behalf. Doing good for you even when you don't know it. The Bible calls him faithful. He's a faithful friend. He's the reason for this season. He's our healer. He's our direction. Our guide. Is the hope. The hope of glory. All is found in Jesus. If you're here and you don't know this Jesus, I just want you to wave your hand at me. Just wave that hand at me. Wave it at me. All I want to do is pray with you. So that you can come into the family of God. If you know you are here and you were to drop dead now, you are not confident in your heart that you will make heaven. It is you I'm talking to, not to anyone else. I just want you to wave that hand. The rest of us, I just want you to place your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. You don't have to ask them what their need is. Just ask that the hand of God will rest upon them to bring them comfort. This is my brother. This is my sister. Oh Lord, I'm asking you that your hand will rest upon him. Your hand will rest upon her to bring him or to bring her comfort in that area of pain. In that area of unrelenting disappointment. In that area where my brother's heart is sick. 
in that area where my sister's heart is sick Lord God bring comfort to my brother bring comfort to my sister Lord God of heaven you who can interpret the thoughts of men you know what is in the heart of my brother you know the pain my sister is going through Father send comfort send comfort this morning no one comes into your presence and lives the same way they have come Father send comfort uphold them with your righteous right hand of righteousness O Father of mercy the God of creation uphold them O God uphold them O God uphold them O God Lord I am praying for this my brother I am praying for this my sister who has gone through unrelenting disappointments disappointments that have come again and again who has looked up to you for something but that thing has not yet materialized the dream has not yet come true father send comfort meet my brother at the point of his needs meet my sister at the point of her needs this morning oh god fill his heart with hope fill her heart with hope god of heaven in the name of jesus Oh Lord God, I lift them up, O oh God. Lord God, uphold them. Uphold them. Uphold them, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we bless you. I just want you to stretch your hands towards the altar here. Let me pray. And particularly those who have experienced what we can call this morning unrelenting disappointment in one area or the other of your life. Stretch out that hand of faith. Father, by faith I place my hand. As a matter of fact, come forward. Just come forward. Not everybody. Not everybody. If this addresses you and you are saying, Lord, I have, um, I have gone through unrelenting disappointment again and again. My dream does not match with the reality of my life. You are the one I'm talking to. Father, with the hand of faith, I stretch it out to these, your children, O oh God. I place my hand upon their hands. Everlasting Father. I ask, Father, today, the 17th day of December, cause their realities to match with their dreams. In the name of Jesus. We have just shared your word that revealed to us that the desire for Anna to have a child was stronger than her temptation to give up on you. Lord, for each one of these, your children, concerning that which they hope for and believe you for, let their desire to see a manifestation of that which they desire Lord God let it be stronger than any temptation of theirs to give up on you why Lord because you are faithful you met Anna's desires and not only met it 
you made her a blessing to a nation. Concerning this that these ones have waited for for this long. Oh God of heaven. Let it not be just their blessing. But let it be a blessing that will bless others. A blessing that will bless generations. A blessing that will bless nations. A blessing that will bless families. A blessing that will bless your kingdom. Father in the name of Jesus. When we hear concerning them. Lord let it be good news. As they go and return from their Shiloh. Let the result be positive. Lord to the glory of your name. Do this for them. And let it be their gift for the new year 2024. In the name of Jesus. But in all, O God, give them the tenacity to stick with you until Shiloh comes. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Receive all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Hallelujah. You can go back to your seats. Help you put your hands together for Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. <clears throat>